So it tells me to look to the left, and then Tyler is just sitting there with a shit-eating grin, just like, I heard that. I know it's you. <laughs> and I was like, whatever. I'm never going to see this person again in a day in my life. And then I walk in on my Saturday classes, 9 a.m., with Dallas, and there's Tyler. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Fox in the Stone. I'm Tyler. And I'm Theron. How are y'all? And it's a podcast where two friends talk about nerd stuff, mental health, and pop culture. So this is our intro slash first episode of the podcast. This is our very first podcast, so bear with us. Uh, We hope to improve as time goes on. But Theron, since we're a couple of friends talking about different topics... um, we should probably go ahead and give the listeners um, sort of a short kind of introduction you know, like how we met each other, maybe what our first impressions were. Do you want to go first? Sure. We met at the um, OU social work program. I thought Tyler was a greaser, an idiot, mm-hmm. dumb. Uh, All those are correct. I am still those things. (laughs) Uh, Stupid. Uh, No. But he was pretty smart. I didn't think he was going to be in any of my classes because we were in orientation together. And I had leaned forward on this microphone. And I was with a classmate that was friends with my older brother in high school. And I clicked the microphone. And it goes over the thing, over the entire classroom. That's how you speak in these big-ass rooms at OU. And I click it, and I'm just like, oh, fuck. And you, I whisper it, but it goes over the loudspeaker. <laughs> so I move, my, friend, my friend moves, well, Tyler and I's friend moves my elbow off of it. And we just sit there in silence. And the lady kind of, Amy Ann is just kind of looking at us like, what the, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, she doesn't know it's me. No one knows. And then I just like, someone tells me to look to the left. And then Tyler is just sitting there with a shit-eating grin, just like, I heard that. I know it's you. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, whatever, I'm never going to see this person again in a day of my life. And then I walk in on my Saturday classes, 9 a.m. with Dallas, and there's Tyler. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then little did we know that we would have um, almost every single class from, for the next three years, we'd have the exact same classes. And Except we, one. Uh, yeah, I think there were like some summer electives where we didn't have yeah, the, same, you- the same class. Yeah, because you um, did the Native American classes because mm-hmm. you're Native. Yep. Um, spoiler alert. And I went and did the queer classes because I am a homosexual. So <laughs> I thought that would be funny to do. <laughs> spoiler <Yeah>. alert. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, so that was that's where we met. We met in uh, – it was diversity. Um, and uh, shout out to Dallas if you ever listen to this podcast. Um, I hope you do. Um, he was our teacher and we had Dallas for like what, two or three classes or four? We had him for four? four classes. No, more than four. Cause we had him for first year and second year. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, you're right. Maybe four classes, maybe more. Uh, I can't think of it now because you know what? Grad school was the three year blur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really was. It was, but I always like to say I was the youngest in my cohort there was no one younger than me um just letting you guys know that so there's oh that. is that true yeah because chrisica did you do a I, survey yes chrisica <laughs> and i were the two youngest and chrisica is a year older than me she is going to be 30 this year and i just turned 29 yeah so yeah happy belated and, birthday to theron whoop and it did show that like i mean my age did show i was very, br- I am very brave <laughs> and quick to anger and annoyance, especially if I find you to be an idiot. But right. more on you, Tyler. What about you? Yeah, I think my first impression of of you when when I saw you, I think you had some kind of like fruity juice. Um, 
uh, I can't rem- remember like what it would be. It was something fruity. That's all I knew. It was fruity. And I remember seeing uh, like a Sailor Moon lanyard that you had. So you would just like throw your keys on the table. You're like, I'm sitting here. Boom. And you were sitting next to um, our friend Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Um, and shout out to was, Kyle. Shout out to Kyle if you're listening. Friend of the pod. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I get the sense that he's pretty, pretty nerdy. And I found out very quickly that if, if somebody said something – uh, that Theron did not approve of or found to be idiotic, that um, he was going to tell you about it either with his words or with his face. Um, and I found that out in the very first class. Uh, and I won't get into it, but I saw your face of disdain when somebody Do it. said Wait, something. I have to know because I don't remember this. I thought I was on my best behavior the first day. Um, <laughs> you were. Um, I won't get into it uh, in in the podcast, but somebody had said something. No, uh, say their names. <laughs> this is, <laughs> podcast is a bit messy, and I won't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't anything that they said that was bad. It's just I don't. You just you were not feeling what they were putting down, and it showed. And I was like, yeah, he is going to tell you what his thoughts are through either his face. Or his words, and um, the next three years um, um, was very true. Uh, you would you would do that. So. I will have to say, I, I, my my biggest accomplishment in grad school was making a professor so uncomfortable that he canceled class in the middle of class because I did not agree with what he had to say. Um, <laughs> sorry, Tyler said their name in the chat. We're not going to say it in the chat. Um, <laughs> But they were upset. Um, I know this firsthand because a very vetted, well sourced was like, hey, you need to apologize to this person. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not, but I will apologize for them being upset. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Uh, But yeah, that was kind of my first impressions. And then from there on, the rest is history. Um, we've been friends since 2016, so it's been five long years. And I don't mean long as the sense of like it. This friendship has felt like a slow burn that I can't escape. But five years is a long time. Um, and um, especially yeah. in my world, and people get mad when I say that, but especially in my world because I am a person that kind of I don't say I jump through friends. Like I keep my friends, but. Mm-hmm. For you to get into my world, you have to be somebody that I'm, like, well-respected. I have a lot of respect for, a lot of trust for, and see a lot of potential in. Because, like, if you are a friend of mine, and I feel like this should be with everybody, um, there should be this level of mutual support, but also this level of, like, respect and admiration. I can never say this right. Admiration um, for each other. And if you don't have that, then why are you friends with that person? Yes. Yep. I I agree. Yeah. I agree 100%. Well, I, one of the things that we wanted to do with this podcast as well, like we talked about in the introduction, was uh, normalizing mental health. And Theron and I, we, we lean on each other a lot. And um, we're pretty outspoken about mental health. I know for me personally, um, um, I don't want to speak for Theron. I'll let Theron do that. But for me personally, I do see a therapist uh once every two weeks and I have no shame in, in saying that. Um, but one of the things that we wanted to do with this podcast is just take time to normalize talking about mental health because we know that it's still really stigmatized and, and, um, a lot of people just don't feel comfortable talking about it, even though we know that everyone goes through it. So oh, for sure, for sure. And I think, you know, I too see a therapist right now. I, I, I'm also a therapist under supervision. Hopefully I'll be licensed by January. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people need to talk out their mental health, be more open about it. And in the stigma, there's no, there's no shame in having problems or struggles. Let's say struggles. Let's, let's use a little more of a strength, a strength based appro- approach having struggles. But another part of this podcast too is like we want to do a mental health check-in like with each other. I'm good. 
I'm doing great. I'm fine today for once. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing a little bit better now. Um, I had a pretty, I had a pretty good weekend. Um, Saturday morning, I uh, ran a 5K. I mean, it's a little bit more than a 5K, but it was an obstacle run, and um, I wasn't expecting i wasn't planning on running this until the night before and then Mm -hmm. i went and ran it and somehow i won and uh felt pretty good afterwards i was soaked i had to so it was an obstacle course there and so i had to like slide through uh like a big tarp it was like a huge slip and slide and then i had to run through a field that we'd gotten a lot of rain the night before so Mm -hmm. i was just running through swamp water so like my sock my socks and shoes were just soaked uh my whole body was just wet from all the water oh, so i felt like i was running with like additional <laughs> it, it, was, it was a lot different than my normal runs and to make matters worse because i knew beforehand that i was going to be getting um wet um, mm-hmm. i had to run without my phone or my headphones so i was just running and listening to nothing but my foot uh hit the pavement and my breathing that's all i could listen to for the next 30 minutes because it took me a little bit longer to finish the race than what my normal times are um so it was pretty tough running without headphones uh, some people do it some people swear by it you know running without music because you can actually focus on your breathing but for me it was just tough to do um but it was a good time um it was nice i felt pretty good after that and then went and hung out with my a uh, couple of best friends from from middle school shout out to ben and brett and ashley and candace if you're listening went and hung out with them last night but uh yeah overall today i would say i'm doing pretty well it's still hot as hell outside super muggy um after i'm done editing the podcast i may have to go outside and mow but um, overall i'm doing pretty well yeah running without in general sounds like my nightmare uh i hate running shout out to people with the bad knees um, yeah. yeah, that's good. Like last night, I, I I officiated a wedding on some last minute shit. Um, I don't mm. know if we're allowed to curse. You can edit that out. I don't care. Um, Cursing is allowed. <laughs> Cursing God. is encouraged. I like somehow was in <laughs> in the <laughs> fucking boondocks of Lost City. I'm not going to tell you guys where I live because I'm very private about that. But I was in Lost City. If you know where I live, you do. And if you don't, you don't. Um, but got paid 100 bucks. Usually I don't charge. I always ask for a donation of the the bride and groom or the bride and bride or the groom and groom or whatever. Um, just a small donation. Nothing, nothing serious. Or I just do it for free. Who cares? Uh, but I was getting paid for this one because it was a mess. But we'll, we won't get into that. Um, and then I watched the Sailor Moon Eternal film, uh, the first one, with my friend Elizabeth. Shout out to Liz. She hates being called Liz, but I'm going to call her Liz. Um, we watched that. And then she went home, and then I played some of the intermission of Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is awesome. So I'm doing good. Um, did nothing today, but I did just got through eating like grilled chicken today. That is my day. That is my thing. But I do want to take this opportunity to kind of segue into like why we are doing this pod, like not why, but like the main topic of this podcast today. We're going to talk about Loki, which is basically led by Tom Hiddleston, who is like kind of a means of controversy in my house, my roommate, and I have different opinions of his attractiveness. I think he is an attractive person, but he's not my cup of tea. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think he's part of that line of men who are hot because people are attracted to their character, not who they are as a person. Mm. Benedict Cumberbatch also is in this group of people. And I also want to put the guy, uh, the young Daniel Radcliffe, the actor who played Uh, Harry Potter. Cause um, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, I, I've always found Loki to be an attractive uh, man myself, um, but I don't think I've seen him in anything else other than Loki in the Thor movies and Avengers and the show. Now, I know he's been in other things, obviously. Um, I just haven't seen them. Um, right. But uh, I've, always, I've, always, I've always liked Tom. He's always been a 
pretty cool dude but uh, he seems like a very interesting person like do not get me wrong i'm not trying to shit on tom hiddleston if you randomly hear this like again i'm a fan of your body of work journey's end in the theaters was pretty dope and i was also a fan of the life and avengers of nicholas nickleby um from 2001 it was a television movie it was like one of the first things i ever seen tom hiddleston in so Mm. again no shade to tom hiddleston so right (laughs) right but let's go ahead and like get into like the meat and bones. Um, I want to get the title of episode one. It was called The Glorious Purpose, which was mm-hmm. directed by Kate Heron, written by Michael Waldarn. So, Tyler, I'll let you go ahead and go on with your thoughts of this. Yeah, for sure. And before we dive into this review, just want to let everyone know that we are going over spoilers. Um, mm-hmm. This is kind of what we're going to be doing. So if if you haven't watched Loki episode one that's on Disney+, Plus, um, you may want to pause the podcast at this time. Go watch it. It's like 52 minutes long, I think, or maybe like 45 minutes long because a lot of these new MCU TV shows have like five minutes of credits. Um, so... If you haven't watched episode one of Loki, um, we're going to be spoiling it, so make sure you go and watch it. Or if you don't care about spoilers, then buckle up, because that's all we're going to be talking about. But um, I'll go ahead and just kind of give my rating on this one. Um, If I'm looking at like a letter grade, I think I'm going with like an A- minus, maybe? It's kind of where I'm at with it. Mm-hmm. Where what would you what would you rate this episode? Um, I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a A plus actually because this was okay. one of I would put this like okay first of all like let's kind of backtrack. WandaVision is the most emotional, um, mm-hmm. and depressing and gut wrenching Marvel anything. <laughs> yeah, but with Tom Hiddleston um, reacting to the actions of Loki's future. Um, mostly the death of his mother, basically not by his hand, but by his actions. And mm. his father saying his last words to him and his brother Thor, just that facial acting alone was just like, yes, this is what I signed up for. Please hurt my feelings. Yes. But there's an actress, and I'm trying to find her name, uh, Wumi Mosk. Um, I'm going to butcher this. Wumi Masaku? Masoku? She plays Hunter B-15. Steals the show. She is this no-nonsense security card with the TVA, and she does not give a flying fuck. Uh, I think Owen Wilson is... Owen Wilson is just Owen Wilson, just in a Marvel mm-hmm. <laughs> setting. I think Owen Wilson plays himself, but um, there's a lot of intertwine uh, twineness with Loki and WandaVision, and I called it five months ago when I was talking on Tyler to the phone. I was like, Wanda's not going to be the one who breaks the multiverse. It's Loki. Mm-hmm. Wanda's going to help fix it, though. I'm calling it now. She's going to help fix it and also get her children back who will be aged up. Yeah, which is going to set up some young Avengers, hopefully, in the future. Yes, because we are getting Kate Bishop. We are getting Ironheart. We are getting Kamala Khan. Uh, I'm sorry, is it Kamala Khan? Yeah, because she's Indian, not Pakistan. She's Pakistani, not Indian. So if you're Indian, it is Kamala but if you are Pac- no, I'm sorry. If you're Pakistanian, it's Kamala. But if you're Indian, it's Kamala. So like our mm. VP Kamala Harris, she is Indian. So right, different. right. But also, too, I, what we, what okay. we should what we should know is that you, what you will find in this podcast is that anytime we're talking about comic book stuff, whether you know whether uh, anything comic book related, Theron is going to be more of the expert when it comes to the lore of these characters mm-hmm. than I am. I'm more of I would say a little bit more than a casual fan, but I'm not. I, I'm I'm reading the comics. Uh, I, I usually read uh, a comic or two each night before bed, but I just recently started getting into comics. I I started reading comics. I think my first one that I read was more of a, a graphic novel. I read Watchmen back in like 2009, um, and I would have. Um, I I read a lot of DC comics, but I'm 
a little new into the Marvel comics yeah. personally. Um, but shout out to Marvel Unlimited, not a sponsor, but if they want to hit us up. Um, I, I do have that app downloaded, so I do read. Um, I read the comics on my phone. Um, and so I've read quite a few uh, comics uh, from different superheroes. But uh, there, maybe let's just kind of like hop into the show, just how we start off. Um, so, so we basically start off from the scene of Endgame when they put in the plan to get the Tesseract back. Mm-hmm. And Ant-Man, you know, is pushing the briefcase with the Tesseract and everything's going good until Hope busts through the door, pissed off like usual. Mm-hmm. And Loki gets his hands on the Tesseract and poof, he's gone. But somehow I believe he is in some kind of Eastern Asian country. I didn't. Uh, he's that. in Mongolia. He is in Mongolia. Mm-hmm. And he's just like doing his Loki spiel, talking shit, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Asian B-15 is just like, what are you doing here? And yeah. Loki's just like, I'm the god of mischief. You don't run shit. And she smacks him in the face with a billy club, but slows down <laughs> spl- <laughs> slows yeah. down his speed, but he is feeling all the pain <laughs> right. in real time. And she hooks him with a device around his neck that basically kind of reminded me of the X-Men where they have these um, Age of Apocalypse. They have, they're in the concentration camps. And they mm-hmm. have these neck braces that nullify their abilities. So they put him into one of those. And this also comes with a really nifty um, remote where they can like kind of make him loop in time, uh, but just not the things around him loop. So if he tries to escape mm-hmm. or anything. But the pacing of this first episode was really good. It builds up some stuff. It has some callbacks. They talked about how... Uh, breaking the timeline causes the multiverse, which Tilda Swilden's The Agent One said back in Endgame when having that conversation with Bruce Banner, a.k.a. Hulk, which is also a play on Grey Hulk if you see that he's a little more intelligent and understandable. That's supposed to be like a nod to Grey Hulk. So right. uh, I'm really excited. Then this also goes back to the commercial into WandaVision where they basically explain that Wanda is a Nexus being. So this is why I think she is not the one who breaks the uh, multiverse, because when you are a Nexus being, no matter what multiverse you are in, you'll never be a variant. You'll always be the main person, the main version of yourself, whilst this version of Loki is somewhat a Nexus um, variant. But I'm really excited. And I forgot. It's funny because, I mean... Because my memory is terrible, and when I was watching WandaVision, um, I wasn't like keeping notes, but I was trying to keep everything in my head because there was a lot going on. So whenever I heard about the Nexus event, um, I was like, "I'm trying to, I'm trying to tap back into my WandaVision memory to see how that was connected again." And I completely forgot until you mentioned that, and right. I forgot about, I forgot how, <laughs> I love how Loki is now tied into those commercial breaks that took place in WandaVision. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just and like... see, I was watching it um, while doing something else. So I did, I, had, I ended up watching Loki twice. Mm-hmm. But the first time I was watching, I was like typing on my computer and I heard Nexus event. I was like, I know what that means because in the regular <laughs> comic books, uh, it doesn't, you know, there's multitude of universes, the multiverse, if you will. There's mm-hmm. multitude. Like the main one is the 616 or the ultimate universe or like the Marvel Noir universe or the Marvel uh, Age of Apocalypse universe where Apocalypse overthrows the X-Men and Charles Xavier's dead. And Rogue has a very strange and problematic relationship with Magneto. Mm -hmm. But um, I was really excited that this is going to happen. And I loved how they used the little cartoon vignettes to explain like what a variant character is. So it was just like the same character, but different versions. They're like, Here's a chubby version. Here's this extremely thin version of this person. Here's this very powerful version of this person. But usually these are people who deviated from their timeline for anything. And they now caused a event. And the TVA is basically there to right that wrong and put people back where they need to be. Right. Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of like this new phase of 
Marvel can get a little confusing when you start looking at timelines because um, I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but the like with this episode, but I, you know they were also saying in the episode, and I forgot who it was. I think it was was it Owen was it Owen Wilson's character, Agent yes. Mobius. What is it? Mobius Mobius is his name. It's like I Mobius think- M Mobius or something. I'm going to look it up real quick. Yeah. Yes, Mobius M. Mobius. So I'm going to assume his name is Mobius, Mobius, Mobius. Yeah. Which, by the way, I don't believe there's a character in the comic books named Mobius, 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 but there is a vampire named Mobius. Well, that's Morbius, right? Morbius, yes. yeah. Morpheus? Yeah. Morpheus? It's Morbius, yeah. Um, With because Jared, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. <laughs> we'll see Can how we that goes. Can we get rid of him, please? Please keep him <laughs> away from all the comic book uh, you know, I'm hoping he doesn't overact in that one, but I feel like he will. So we'll we'll see. Um, yeah, that's another topic for another day. But um, I know that I think they they were saying that even the time heist, even though it didn't go as planned, it was when they did the time heist, it was still as planned. So yes, basically the, the biggest the biggest theme that stuck out to me in this episode was this idea of free will versus determination. You know, Mm. do you actually have free will? And that's kind of what Loki's wrestling with. But I know that the, it's the time variance authority. They're the ones that are hopping into these other timelines where there's these variances, right. That are happening where people are going outside of the sacred timeline and Mm. starting, trying to start some stuff. Um, and then they reset the timeline with those little capsules that I guess are some kind of device that the time variance authority uses to reset the timeline back to its original time, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> so I know that, that that happens. They reset the timeline. But I guess they're resetting the timeline after they take Loki to the, um, what's their place? The TVA, right? Yes, basically, which I guess basically too, like he has to go, uh, he, there's a, cause we kind of skipped a very pivotal point. He went, goes to trial and they're like, yo, you ain't shit. And then Mobius, Mobius, Mobius. We can just call him Agent Mobius, right? Um, Yeah, but I would call him Mobius because yeah. it's so fun. The man's so nice, they named him <laughs> Thrice. Um, <laughs> they are basically investigating, and I think this is a spoiler, so I don't know if I want to go into this because my mind is going because mm-hmm. I read comic books. Um, they're investigating another time variant who is killing the TVA of, uh, mm-hmm. agents. like, And that is unheard of. So... I have thoughts about that too. I have a hy- I have mm-hmm. a hypothesis, and I want to share it. But are you, um, do you want me to share it? Yeah, share it. I'm gonna share it anyway because I I, I, I think know. I have an idea um, about what it may be or who it could be. So there was a callback to some um, comic mm-hmm. uh, to the comic book. So new Ragnarok, uh, not Ragnarok, uh, uh, Asgard. Thor and them from mm-hmm. Asgard. New Asgard is like hovering over Oklahoma in the comic books, right? Which is super bizarre. And I don't remember exactly all what that entails, but randomly they're in Salina, Oklahoma. And they're, they, in the show, they're in Salina, um, the TVA. And they're like, here's this anomaly, anomaly. This is a variant. What the hell's going on here? I'm calling it now. That's Lady Loki. Oh, really? Yes. So in the comic books, Loki's body gets destroyed and he kind of like, inhabits the body of mm-hmm. Lady Sith. And for a few years, he is... Loki is in a female body. And it is canon that Loki is one of the first, like, mainstream non-binary characters. Like, Loki has always said that they are a fluid person, but he uses he, him, she, her mm-hmm. uh, pronouns. Um, um, and then this kind of goes into where he has to go to... Uh, it's basically, like the Norse gods version of the underworld fight back to get his reclaim his soul. But then this is how we get into kid Loki. So I think we're going to have a small run in with kid Loki and lady Loki. 
That's interesting. And, and I've heard about, yeah, because there's like multiple Lokis that are out there, right? Like you said, there's Kid Loki, Lady Loki. Mm -hmm. They're right. all the same person. Well, I, what my mind kind of went to this. I was sort of thinking, because we know that we're not going to see Mephisto uh, on the big screen because uh -oh. of because of China, China. and not <laughs> wanting to depict the devil for that market. And that's a large market that they're, they're just not going to show that. Um, but I was wondering, but right. the reason I was thinking of Mephisto was because whenever, whenever the 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 TVA goes back, those that the Time Variance Authority, whenever they go back to uh, that church, um, I want to say it's like in Italy or somewhere. When they go back, they see that kid that has like the blue, like like the blue mouth like the going, blue mouth, yeah, he's he's the candy. candy, and then it also camera kind of points up to uh, a vision of the devil so i was wondering if if they're going to try to do something where loki the other loki because that's who they're hunting is like almost like a devil-esque type loki so it's not really going to be mephisto uh, mephisto but it's going to be similar to that and again i don't know enough about like the loki lore to know if there is even such a thing but i was just wondering well, if they're i i just didn't know why they would show us the painting of the devil if that didn't have any kind of significance the horns the horns so loki's ha helmet has devil like goat horns so i think the little kid was like i just saw this man or a person pop out kill these people this is obviously the devil they handed me candy this right is, you know this ain't it um I don't know. I think maybe Lady Loki is the main villain. Who knows? Or the variant versions of Loki are the main villain. And then this is kind of going into the vein of Loki becoming an anti-hero. Especially after um, he goes back into Agent Mobius, Mobius, Mobius's um, office and watches the video of um, his mother and father saying their last words to him. And his actions to cause his yeah. mother to die. And then his death as well, because um, we see Thanos killing him, and then mm -hmm. that's the end of the film. So I think that's kind of where that reality of, oh, wow, this is what my life is really going to be like. And that's where it gets really confusing is when you start playing with, like, time travel and timelines. It, it can get really, really messy. But we also have to remember, like, Kevin Feige is in the business of keeping shit very, 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 very easy to understand. For sure. And what I like about – what I'm so – I'm so glad that Kevin Feige is with us and he's mapping out all of these movies and how they all make sense. And, and again, I'm not – deep into the comic lore but i haven't seen a lot i haven't seen like a large uprising in people who don't that that are into the comics i haven't seen like a large uprising in in stating that you know mm. kevin feige's not doing a great job with with the comics we'll see right and the thing is i because at first i was like i'm mad that he's not doing a direct adaptation of stories but then i thought to myself like why would I want that? I already know what's going on and I'll be pissed off. Um, I do like that he's doing a lot of direct inspiration for the the films from the comic books because like, look at WandaVision for instance. WandaVision is a mixture of the Vision series that came out mm -hmm. recently, the House mm -hmm. of M, and then also American, um, marrying it with American sitcoms. Um, I do like that they basically were like, Wanda was already born with the power, so, you know, confirmed a mm -hmm. mutant, her yep. and her brother. Uh, I do appreciate that. I do appreciate how, like, uh, some of the Black Panther films were amalgamations of different comics. I do appreciate how Captain Marvel, though a lot of people give it hate, usually those are incels who are virgins, um, give the film hate. But, like, it was an amalgamation of a different films. So, like, yeah, I do wish that Marvel was a guy. But you know what? Cause just to be closer to the source material, but who gives a shit? It's, it's, they're not real people. Uh, Marvel has never had his um, gender be a big part of his character, like Captain Marvel or AKA, uh, uh, FKA, Miss Marvel had always been. Um, I, 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 I appreciate that. And I also like, uh, random side note i do appreciate 
the uh, cameo of Gail Simone, who is one of the best comic writers, male or female, ever in Captain Marvel. She also did a lot of good work with Deadpool um, mm-hmm. in the early 2000s, which goes to show you that, uh, especially too, because we have Kate Heron um, directing Loki, we do not have to have female-led superhero movies only be directed by females. Like, female directors mm-hmm. can direct anything. And obviously, Gail Simone is a big component of that. And then Kate Heron is proving us that you I don't have to only direct female-led movies. Like, here's a show about a male character. And doing it effortlessly. And I believe with Captain uh, Winter Soldier and the Falcon one of the main directors was female or she was the main writer. They were female. And uh, it was great. I think Marvel TV right now is at its best. I do miss Marvel Netflix, but also those Marvel Netflix shows were very hit or miss. We're looking at you, Iron (laughs) Fist. Uh, For me, it was just like very CW, you know? What, Iron Fist or just the Netflix? Just the, the Netflix in general for me just felt very CW. And... I mean, I watched season one of Daredevil, and I'm in the minority here, but I did not like um, Vincent D'Onofrio playing Kingpin. I, I just didn't like, I know, I I know. Trash. This is such a trash opinion. This opinion doesn't <clears throat> matter. I will, I will say of the Marvel Netflix shows... I will say, actually, consistently, and I, it's not my favorite, but consistently, Daredevil was the best. Um, followed by Jessica Jones, and Luke then, Cage? like, Luke Cage, and then I don't count Iron Fist. Um, Luke Cage was great season one. Um, I liked how they had the social commentary where a bulletproof black man in a hoodie, but, like, you know, it was great. But then season two, I don't know if the show know what it wanted to be. And the same thing happened with season three of Jessica Jones. I hate how they kind of depowered her a bit as well because Jessica Jones can fly. Um, she's not indestructible. Like, she can get hurt. Um, but she's stronger than most superheroes because the thing with Jessica Jones is, like, her self-doubt gets in her way. And so I wonder if they're going to try to put this narrative going back into Loki of his self-doubt that changes him to go more into a heroic yeah. role. Still right. anti-hero. No, absolutely. I think one of my favorite lines came pretty early on in the show, which was whenever he had to walk through like that, it was like a metal detector type apparatus. And yes, yes, yes. The, the guy was asking him, you know, if he if he knows if he's a robot or not. And Loki was like, do people not know if they're robots or not? And he's like, and he's like, mm. well, he starts second guessing himself. It it he's like uh what if i was a robot i didn't know it you know it's just classic anxiety because like me and amy were watching it together and she was she was like yeah we just cracked up at that line because it was just so funny right can we also give casey the receptionist a big shout out he was by far the comic relief when he was explaining loki like Yo, here's all these affinity stones that we use as paperweights. So this shit means nothing oh, to us. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> that character was really funny. Um, and also when Loki was telling you he's gonna gut him like a fish, and he the secretary was like, "Oh, what's a fish? I have no idea what that even what's is." A fish. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Oh man!" Like, and and the, the fact that like Loki started to understand goes back to the theme of self doubt. Loki started to understand that this is me. All his conquests are meaningless um, in this scenario because his power doesn't work here. Nothing works here. Um, the TVA. So it goes back to what you're saying: um, self determination, or are we just written on a path? Which kind of goes back into some therapy modalities too, like nature versus nurture. Like, do we? learn to become the way we are because of nurture and our environment or do we just become who we are because we make those choices yeah so it's kind of kind of a like very interesting way to spin it if you look at it um because you know if we look at loki for instance he is adopted his biological family are frost giants 
Um, but he's the daughter of Freya, um, son, I'm sorry, the son of Freya and uh, Odinson, Odin, and they're inherently, I'm doing air quotes here, inherently good. Freya was like the baddest mm-hmm. bitch. She was really good. And Loki still turned out to be where he was in life. Kind of like, I want to overthrow things. I'm the god of mischief. I want to be bad. But then we kind of can look back at this too. We can look at his older sister, Hela. And Hela was not, she was good, but not good. Like she was in a situation where, you know, her father was like, yes, you're my lead executioner. You're the goddess of death. So she was only doing what she was nurtured to do by her father. Because, like, again, inherently, um, they're supposed to be good people, but obviously they're not. And I do like how we have this kind of theme of um, internal struggle of who we are and mm-hmm. what we're born to be. Yeah, I really um, I, I really want to watch Thor Ragnarok again now. Um, because that was, I, in my opinion, the best Thor movie of the three was Ragnarok. In the, your opinion, like, let's not even say in your opinion, that is factually... So I got... My opinion's right on this one. Okay, good. Because I know, I know I dug myself yeah. a hole with that first, <laughs> that first hot take about Vincent D'Onofrio. I apologize. <laughs> I don't think that... I don't think that Thor film is a hot take because um, Taika Waititi has a very, very, very um, distinct style in directing. And it shows up in every film, like Jojo Rabbit, which is a heartbreaking film, but so it's good. still fucking funny. And it gets you to simple, sympathize with a Hitler mm-hmm. sympathizer. A child. <laughs> um, but a child, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I think Taika Waititi did something with Thor that needed to be done. And and with Loki as well. Loki was already a good character. Um I think he just added a little more nuances. I think the one, granted, we're jumping all over the place, but who cares? It's our podcast, not yours. (laughs) Um, I think the one slight that I would have to say with Taika Waititi was just like Valkyrie. We just kind of like, oh, we're supposed to care about Valkyrie? Like, why? Yeah. (laughs) Like, why? She's She's a bounty huntress who's a drunk and allegedly is bisexual. Allegedly. Tessa Thompson. I feel like it was just one of those one. one of those characters that we were kind of led to like just because she was such a badass. You know? I feel like sometimes there's characters oh, that are just so yeah. badass from the jump that we're just like, we instantly already like them because that first impression is that they get shit done, they don't take anything from anyone, we automatically like them. But yeah, like you said, we weren't really told why or showed why see here's the thing i am so sick and tired of the trope of the female badass we already have that with the wasp black widow and now valkyrie and now captain marvel and every single woman in black panther which hey shout out to the dormalage i'm really glad that we did get a change of pace with wanda uh the scarlet witch with women who are fragile and I know Lana Del Rey got a lot of shit about this, but granted, her delivery was fucking awful. But we need a space for fragile women in mainstream mediums. Like, we yeah, we have FKA Twigs. We do have Lana Del Rey. We have SZA. We have, um, give me another sad girl. Fiona Apple, Alanis Morissette. Like, they've paved the way for the yeah. sad girl trope. But now I'm glad that Marvel gave us a sad girl trope in, Wanda, like, WandaVision. And I think they're going to give us the sad boy trope with Loki. Um... Because I think, like, yeah, it's cool to be a badass, like, ugh, but, like, that's kind of just, like, boring. Especially to, like, people who believe they're feminist writers, and they're like, oh, we're going to make this woman, and she's as capable as the men. Which, that is good. Wanda Maximoff is as capable as mm. any of the men. Um, but she has this level of fragility. So does Monica Rambeau, which I thought was well-written. Um, and so does, um, Darcy, like Darcy, even though she's not super powered, you know, this goes back to Thor, but like she was fragile, but also she got shit done in the way that you wouldn't expect a non-powered being in the, the Marvel universe where everyone's basically. Right. What's her new Thor movie going to be called again? I don't think, I don't think Darcy's going to be in the new Thor movie, but they're going to do Thor Love and Thunder, um, where, uh, Jane Frost becomes Lady Thor, uh, just Thor. Uh, and I hope they do the discussion about breast cancer because in the run of Thor with Jane Foster, she is going through chemotherapy, um, advanced stage of breast cancer, and 
you know, every time she turns into Thor, she sacrifices her health because it expunges all the chemotherapy's progress. So it makes the cancer goes further. You guys should definitely pick that up at your local comic shop or Amazon or whatever. Well, actually not Amazon because fuck Jeff Bezos. But um, definitely should buy that comic book on uh, Marvel Unlimited. It's a very great story. Um, So, yeah. So then... At the end of the episode, where the, the big kind of cliffhanger, whenever they're asking Loki to go find this uh, variant bandit, um, it's revealed that the person that Loki needs to go find is himself. And that's really where the big cliffhanger is. And then we, the final scene, like we've already mentioned, is in Salina, Oklahoma. And we see just kind of the silhouette of someone in a robe. And they set the Minutemen, uh, which is what they're called. The Minutemen are the um, Time Variance Authority. Uh, sets the, t- the Minutemen on fire. Um, they die. They're unable to reset the timeline um, back to what it should be. And then roll credits. And that's how it ends. Um, so, yeah. Yes. It- Loki breaks the multiverse. I'm calling it now. When is I'm Multiverse of Madness it. supposed to come out again? Is it next year? Next March. And so here's how I think the timeline was. Because everyone was like, well, what about Falcon Winter Soldier? I'm like, Falcon Winter Soldier is probably like not... I mean, it's a great story. Again, recommend. So far, all these Marvel TV shows, kick-ass. WandaVision mm-hmm. is still the best right now. Um, because it took a different spin on, again, superhero stories with mixing mental health and American, Amer- American TV mm-hmm. throughout the decades. But um, I think we're going to get... Well, it's already been spoiled because the uh, actor who plays Otto Octavius in the second uh, Spider-Man film left, leaked this. But um, after this series, we're going to get variants of different characters, i.e. in the Spider-Man film that comes out in December. I'm calling it I'm now. so excited for that. We're going to see Tobey Maguire... And uh, who played Spectacular oh, Spider-Man? Uh, I thought he was. Am- I thought Garfield. he was Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, Andrew amazing Garfield, Spider-Man, which I yeah. was not a fan of. Uh, my friend, my friends, and I have gone back and forth on this. I just, I could not get into Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. I like Andrew Garfield as an actor, and I'm sure he's a great person. Mm-hmm. I have no issues with him in any of those areas, except I thought he was a terrible Spider-Man, and I did not buy the Emma Stone. Andrew Garfield connection that they were trying to have. It was just too awkward for me. And I get it. Peter Parker is an awkward person. He's not known for having suave and and uh, being super charismatic. But. but, like, he's not a bumbling idiot either, a bumbling True. nerd. Like, he's a nerd, yes, but he's not like... Like, that. I have to, I have to like, cut you off here, and I'm sorry. Um, Spider-Man has always been, like, somewhat a ladies' man, an undercover ladies' man. He's he's awkward but like he's charming Uh awkward and andrew garfield's spider-man was just like awkward and this has nothing to do with andrew garfield um i hope his last name's garfield i think it is um i believe it's the writing and the direction um and then emma stone i love emma stone she's one of my favorite modern day actresses. like aza literally solidified solidified her as a bona fide yeah i like her too uh, star um she's great in corella please watch it stream it whatever i'm actually gonna buy corella tonight so my roommate can watch it but the best part about the film was gwen Mm -hmm. stacy that's it and the thing is is like that's all i can really remember was emma stone's performance i remember jamie fox as electra which was like not the casting, just the acting was very questionable because Jamie Foxx mm-hmm. is really great. Um, but overall, like, I'm glad I, I am glad with the direction that Kevin Feige is doing with Spider-Man mm-hmm. for sure. Um, Tom Holland is definitely the hottest Spider-Man that, out of the three. I'm gonna call it. Uh, I would agree <laughs> with you. I would I would agree with you on that. So, do you really think we're gonna get both Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire in this new one? Because I know that we're gonna get. Jamie Foxx and the actor who played Dr. Ock. That's going to be insane, but uh, I'm going to be here for it for sure. I'm, 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 I, so we basically like, you know, went over 
Loki and stuff. I want to know where the Eternals come in. Right. That, I don't know. I mean, one of the things we didn't mention, too, was Loki and his belief in that the the timekeepers are kind of just full of shit. Like, it's... He, he's like, they don't control everything, you know? I don't know if that is something to do... I guess I don't know enough about the Eternals, but the Eternals were Titans, correct? I have no idea on the Eternals. I'm going to just be really real with you. I just like i've heard of them um i've never watched the internals like never read anything about the eternals like but to be honest the eternals are in the same category as guardian of the galaxies before they got mm-hmm. a marvel movie no one knew who star lord was like so much that they completely like changed his whole character um because he was more like he wasn't a goofball he was more of a staunch mm. type of guy like by the books like I'm yeah. a badass yeah so just kind of just straight line sort of guy yeah yeah so but I, I uh, what oh shit yeah so I, I am excited to see what they do like yes they've race bent and gender bent a couple of the characters um I know that Athena played by the baddest bitch thus far Angelina Jolie is um, kind of like a Wonder Woman analog. Her power is she can create whatever mm-hmm. weapon she wants. Um, but other than that, I know that there's Icarus and Cersei, who's also played by Gemma Chan, who played Minerva in Captain Marvel, which is like, that's all I know. That's all I know of the film. Like, I yeah. know nothing about the characters. I read... Um... I read a couple of Eternal comics. Um, I wasn't really filling the um, comics that I was reading, so I, I and, and plus my ADHD kicked in, so I just went straight to like something else. I think I read like Morbius or um, like Spider Man or something. Um, but um, yeah, I'll be curious to see how how it all connects as well because I know the Eternals is coming out um, either this year, so this year November, and then we have Black Widow coming out in a couple of months as well. So that's going to be really cool. Don't really know how it's going to connect with this, uh, with kind of what we've been seeing here, because really the only connection we're, we're seeing right now is WandaVision and Loki in some way. But again, this is what we've been seeing since day one, is we're having these standalone movies, oh. and then we get one big movie where it all kind of comes together. You know, So I, I think they're doing yes. a great job in just doing enough to say, uh-huh. here's a quote standalone series with a linear plot um with some some easter eggs sprinkled here and there for the hardcore comic book fans and then we'll all sort of make it it'll all sort of make sense and i think that that movie that's going to connect all these is probably going to be multiverse of madness possibly oh for sure and everyone's like oh wanda goes mad i'm like here's the deal i don't think they're gonna do the full scarlet witch mental breakdown Mm because we already had it um, if you did not pay attention to WandaVision, like that's her breakdown right there. She literally untapped her reality warping capabilities by extreme grief and depression, which is kind of a very poetic way to look at how depression can warp your perspective mm-hmm. of reality. Like, you know, those thoughts go in of like, my friends hate me when that's not true. Um, and sometimes you kind of keep that illusion when that illusion is in your favor. So I'm calling it now. Wanda does not have a mental breakdown. She gets her kids back. Mar uh, Loki is the reason for this fucking fuck <laughs> shit. Um, and Doctor Strange is like, well, damn, I got to put it back together because I'm the sorcerer, sorcerer supreme. Um, and I'm calling it now the first time that we're going to have anti in a film, not in a show, because I don't know what's going to happen with Loki. But with the Spider-Man 3 film, I can't remember the subtitle for it. Yeah. Um, no Way Home, I believe. I believe the reason why we're calling it No Way Home is because either our Peter Parker gets transported to the other dimensions by mistake or his variants come to yeah. the MCU. So we're, I'm, I'm hoping with Tobey Maguire's variant, we are going to get... Uh, I, I mean... 
everyone's keep screaming Mephisto. I'm not screaming Mephisto, but like kind of another day storyline where Mephisto is a big part of this. But he is in his 30s. He has a child named Annie with Mary Jane, and he's doing that. No, no Mephisto, though. I just want him to be a older Peter Parker. And then I want Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker to be more of a disillusioned Peter Parker. Because, I mean, come on. He watched Gwen Stacy die because we mm-hmm. do not have a Gwen Stacy. Um, mm-hmm. Our Mary Jane is Michelle Jones, played by Zendaya, but it's literally just the ultimate version of Mary Jane just race bent because this version, that version of Mary Jane is very clever. She's pretty, but she's also like very intelligent, wants to be more of this um, Mm. investigative journalist type. While Mm. the main canon Mary Jane is a actress and model. So I'm really excited to see what they do. Yeah, most of what I know from Mary Jane too from the comics is she's very she's basically like Spider-Man's sidekick like, "Hey, I got this call and we got to go investigate here and I've been doing some re- mm-hmm. so, like you said like investigative journalism." But like in the in the Tobey Maguire yeah. Spider-Man it was just kind of this on and off again. Mm-hmm. Damsel in distress was basically her whole character was just like, "Oh no, I was stolen. You got to come save me or I'm falling down." Or <laughs> not stolen (laughs) chap but we've been talking about marvel let's talk about what we would recommend so this is like kind of this part of the podcast where we talk about random things that we would recommend to people that are super accessible um and not very expensive but may or may not cost you some money so tyler what would you recommend this to the list my recommendation does come um with a uh a trigger warning so to speak uh, my recommendation is a Netflix comedy special um, called uh, Inside. It's by Bo Burnham. Uh, Bo Burnham is one of my favorite stand-up comedians. He does a lot of just like introspective comedy where he involves music and he'll have like his whole set is has to be it, it's so timed to where like he'll have little sound bits or sound bites where he has to hit his mark at those certain time and it's kind of hard to explain but if you don't know who Bo Burnham is um, he does a lot of like parody type songs and so he's not your standard comedian where they just walk there on stage have bits and then that's sort of the whole you know comedy special Um, a lot different and basically with this comedy special he filmed the entire thing in his house in one bedroom essentially uh, or one room essentially and you really just see the decline of his mental health throughout this entire special. And there are moments where you, you laugh because it's really funny. And then there's other moments where your heart breaks because you're seeing somebody who is just really struggling with this pandemic. And, you know, he stopped comedy for five years because he couldn't get through a set without having a panic attack. So he's like, I'm going to take some time off. And he took five years off, really worked on his mental health. And then in January of 2020, and he talks about this in his comedy. He says, you know what? I'm going to get back into comedy. I'm going to try this thing out. And then two months later, the entire world shuts down, right? So. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not laughing at that. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, of course this would happen. Like, I'm ready to get back out there and do this thing. And I'm sorry. I'm tired of being inside all the time. I'm going to go outside. And then it's like, oh, no, you're not. You're going to stay inside for over a year. So that's really what this stand-up comedy is about. Um. I've been telling people about this comedy special because I watched it the day it dropped, which was um, uh, last week or so at the time of recording. And I just wanted, uh, I always tell people, hey, make sure you're, you're kind of in a good place because it, it can be, uh, it can trigger some pretty deep depression. And I know for me personally, after I watched it, uh, we had be, we'd been getting a lot of rain here. And um, anytime we have days of just rain and, and darkness and no sunlight, I start to feel my depression kick in and um, lack of energy. And after watching this this comedy special, um, it, it it seemed to get worse. But at the same time, um, I think my depression really just came from seeing him going through it. Because you know, and we've talked about this before. Sometimes when we we can get really attached to people that we've never met before, right? Whether it's a musical artist or it's a comedian or it's an actor or whoever the case may be we can get really connected to people that we've never met because we connect with their art and their art says something to us and it does something for us Mm -hmm. so 
that's kind of how I felt about Bo Burnham is I felt like I was watching a friend go through something pretty tough and I, I couldn't help them out because I don't know this person on that level, you know? So, but I would still recommend it to anyone. Um, check it out. Um, but just know that it, it can hit you pretty hard. So I always encourage people to make sure you're um, in, a, in a pretty good headspace before you watch it. But in, if you are in a good headspace and you want to laugh, but also um, take a journey or trip down somebody's uh, mental health and what 2020 looked like, watch Bo Burnham's Inside Out. It's available on Netflix, which most of us have um, because you kind of have to in this day and age because streaming services is what really controls <laughs> everything now. Nobody really... Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's my recommendation for the week is Bo Burnham's Inside. What do you got? Uh, my recommendation is actually one of my favorite records uh, in the modern era. I love really sad music. I would recommend to anyone who loves music and um, good music, um, FKA Twigs, Magdalene. It is basically how heartbreak can be all encompassing. Um it starts off with the title song, not title song, a song called A Thousand Eyes. Um, within that song, A Thousand Eyes basically discusses the breakdown of a relationship in the public eye. And basically when that breakup happens, how everyone's going to look their direction, then it falls into home with you. Kind of like, hey, like I have this regret of depression uh, because of this relationship falling. And if you would have told me that you were going through this shit, I would have been there. But then we kind of go into the part of Heartbreak where we're like, you know what, I don't fucking need you. And we talk about Holy Terrain featuring Future. Yes, Future is in the song. Um, And the rest of the album, it just goes into this spiral of depression and heartbreak. Um, But it's all-encompassing. It's, again, a very, very, very heartfelt record. It's very autobiographical. And she's talking about the guy who played Edward Cullen. He's the person who made her feel all these sad feelings and also his racist white-ass fans in the United Kingdom. So, Are you talking about Robert um, Pattinson? Robert Pattinson, yes. This whole record was inspired by her breakup with Robert Pattinson. She was engaged to him for about four years. Um, I thought she, she was with Shia LaBeouf. Was she with Shia like LaBeouf? Half. She was with Shia LaBeouf after, and then the whole domestic violence thing happened. Um, allegedly. Allegedly. I'm only saying allegedly because I don't want to be sued, but I believe her. Um, um, I think the reason why I connected to this album, I like found it a week after a, a relationship ending in 2009 at the end of the year, um, 2019, sorry, at the end of the year. And it just was all the feelings that I felt because like the situation all went down in front of one of my greatest friends as well. And it was embarrassing. And though I'm not in the public eye, it was sad to see like all my friends look at this situation with their view of it and have their opinions. I mean, I talked to you about it. I talked to Cotty, my roommate, about it. Uh, my friend Todd, he's a, also a fellow therapist, about it. And Todd was just like, looked at me and like the song A Thousand Eyes started playing in my head. It was the way his eyes told the story of what he wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And I am um, going back to what Tyler said about connecting with people who you don't know, but their art just it's a full circle moment so fka twigs is like the baddest bitch but also bad bitches get sad too so i definitely Mm -hmm. think you should look into magdalene named after mary magdalene jesus's alleged lover and baby mama but we ain't gonna get into that (laughs) when did that album come out again uh november of 2019 um so it's been out for a while but fka twigs is kind of a anomaly in the music sphere because a lot of people it's like, yeah, if you know who she is, you love her. And if you don't know who she is, you're going to be a little confused by her. Uh, because some of her early works, like uh, Glass and Patron, is a complete tonal shift to everything, like comparatively to her song Cellophane, which is basically a ballad about how she wishes her love, like she's doing everything she can to keep her lover mm-hmm. and how the world wants this relationship to fail. But then there's Glass and Patron, where she's like basically dancing to a Vogue beat. And she is voguing, she's splitting, she's kicking, and she's saying she's a phoenix, she's fire, she's everything. And then sometimes she does this form of R&B that's a little daft, a little off, a little quirky, mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. like a mixture of like Kate Bush. If you're big, if you, you're going to find out that I like adore Kate Bush listeners. Like Kate Bush is my like music messiah. Um, 
production-wise. But a mixture of, like, Kate Bush, SZA, Frank Ocean, and I would say Big Frida as well. And everyone's like, Big Frida? And I'm like, yes, because of the Vogue and queer elements that she uses. Yeah. She is very, very... She's... If Paris is... <laughs> Paris is burning with, like, needing a prescription of, like, Zoloft or <laughs> Prozac or something. Because <laughs> she goes through it. So, uh, yeah. FKA Twigs Magdalene. My recommendation of the week. Nice. So some music and some comedy special to to get you through your week. If you haven't checked those out, do so. And if you don't like them, that's cool. Uh, We're all a little bit different. Theron and I have recommended music to each other throughout the years, and there's some things that I've really liked that he recommended, and some stuff I didn't like so much, and vice versa. So we're I'm the king of texting Tyler, Mama, this is garbage. I did think it'll work. So there's there's so there's certain bands or songs that I will not recommend to Theron because I cannot take the rejection if he doesn't like it. Oh, for sure. Like my thing is just like if you <laughs> love, if you know me, you know that the way to my heart musically, if it's something that is spatially, uh, spacey, sonically, with light mm-hmm. voices, like uh, I think the deepest voice that I can handle is Frank Ocean, which is hilarious because he's pretty. <laughs> His voice is pretty light for a, a man, uh, but um, yeah, those are the my go-tos. But I, I listen to anything. Like uh, Vivi Brown, um, a British musician, said that her music is musical mashed potatoes, and I'll say that's my style. My my taste in music is musical mashed potatoes, even though I think actual mashed potatoes taste like dog dick. Dude, come on! That's such a country person thing to eat. Mashed potatoes are so good. Nope. All right, well, we could fight all day about this. Let's go ahead and close it out for our listeners. We want to thank you all so much for listening to the podcast, The Fox and the Stone, whoever you are and wherever you are. We will see you later. And don't forget to do something for yourself. Take care of yourself and love yourself. Go out in the sun. Shake your ass. (laughs) Do something good. Yeah. Stay hydrated, though, and wear your sunscreen if you need to. But make sure while you're getting hydrated, you're shaking your ass in the sun because vitamin D does the body good, and so does working out. And ass shaking considers cardio. It's considered ass cardio. I I agree. (laughs) I heard cardi ass cardio, but you meant ass. I fixed it. I heard cardi ass cardio. I fixed it. No, it was a nice, yeah, it was a nice wordplay. Shut the hell up. All right. Theron. It's been a pleasure. I will talk to you later. Bye, Bye, y'all.